It could also be named a woman of moral excellence because that's what, what um, virtuous woman means. Virtuous. A moral excellence. So we'll get into that as we move along. But first I want to read the chapter. Okay? Let's read the... Now we'll read it out of the New American Standards. Proverbs chapter 31, starting in the 10th verse. Starting in the 10th verse is the... The passage that speaks about the uh, excellent wife or the, or the virtuous woman. A virtuous wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of his life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like a merchant ship. She brings food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Sense that her gain is, and she senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the staff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her, her hands to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine and purple, fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. Her, she opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teachings of her teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. <coughs> I'm sure over the years many of you read that passage. A lot of people like to read Proverbs every day. One proverb a day gets you through the whole month. And the end of a year, you'll read Proverbs 12 times. And, of course, 12 times reading the Book of Wisdom will help you out with, with uh, wisdom. Mostly spiritual wisdom, but also, you know, earthly wisdom that is given to us in this book. So a woman that fears the Lord, a woman, can be, a woman who can be a virtuous woman, a woman of moral excellence, because that's what, that's what virtuous means. It means right actions, right thinking. Right words, right, you know, kindness and that surrounds her, and she's never critical. Virtuous is only mentioned four times in the Bible. Four times. I'm going to show them to you right now. We turn to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 4. It says here, An excellent or virtuous woman who can is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness to his bones. It's also written in Proverbs 31, you know, where I read it in verse chapter, verse 29. Many, um, or 30, gee, I'm in the, I should use the New King James Version since that's what I studied it out of. Um, I have Proverbs 30. Verse 29, I believe it is. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. A woman who fears the Lord shall be praised for her fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her. That word is interchangeable, really, to virtuous um, and um also in verse 10, which we just read, we read that um, 
Who can find a virtuous wife, for her worth is far among rubies. It's also mentioned one other time in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11. Ruth chapter 3, verse 11. Let's see. Now, my daughter, do not fear. This is Boaz talking to Ruth. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of virtue, our virtuous woman. Listen. Do you know that all through the Bible, the only woman to be said to be virtuous is Ruth, is Ruth. She's the only woman. Now, you know and I know that there are other virtuous women in the Bible, but Ruth is a blessing to, to uh, be called a virtuous woman. You remember the story about Ruth, uh, how, her, how, uh, how Naomi and her husband went to, to uh, Moab to escape the famine that was in, in Bethlehem. And they stayed there about 10 years. And while Naomi was in, and her husband and family with two sons was in, were in Moab, her husband died. And then a few years later, her two sons died. And they both had wives. And the one wife decided to stay home in Moab. But Ruth chose to go with her, with her mother-in-law. And she insisted that she was going to go back to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law. Here's what Ruth says, because Naomi was trying to tell her, go back home. I'm too old to, to have another child. And when if I did have a child, by the time he grows up, he would be yours, but you'd be old. It'd be too late. But here's what Ruth said in verse 16 and 17. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or turn your back from following you. Forever, wherever you will go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will, I will be buried. The Lord do more to me, if anything but death separates me from you. What a woman. What a woman. This is her mother-in-law. And I know a lot of guys... You know, they don't, they don't really like their mother-in-law, some of them. But you know what? This woman loved her mother-in-law. She loved her to death, obviously. And she's the only woman in Scripture said to be virtuous. But if you remember right, Moab, the Moabites, were cursed to the 10th generation because they tried to uh, stop Israel when they came out of Egypt. And God cursed the Moabites for 10th generation. And you'll be interested to know that Ruth is in the 11th generation, which, is, which shows you the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. He had to discipline that nation, but he also couldn't wait to take them back. And here we see a woman named Ruth taking it back. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? You know, if I asked you right now, and I'm going to ask you, who is the most virtuous woman you can think of? Who is the most virtuous woman that you can think of? Let me name a couple for you. A lot of you might say Mother Teresa, the Catholic nun, I think, from Calcutta. She certainly was a godly woman, a virtuous woman. I remember I heard a person once or I read it somewhere where, where they asked Mother Teresa, how can you, can you love on these people? Because they're, they're dirty, they're filthy, they're diseased. And she says, they're all Jesus to me. They're all Jesus to her. And Jesus told us the same thing in Matthew 24, 25. If you've done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. She certainly was a virtuous woman, someone not listed in the Bible or even in the Bible times. A lot of you would say Mother Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus, certainly was a virtuous woman. These two women were virtuous because they were decorated with strength and faith. 
some people might pick a movie star or a singer. It might be like, say, Dolly Parton, a true believer that loves the Lord with all her heart. You might consider her a birth, uh, virtuous woman. Some of us might say, my mother. My mother was a virtuous woman, or is a virtuous woman. My mother's gone, but I consider my mother a virtuous woman. She didn't have a, a bad word for anybody. At least I didn't see it. And she loved her family to death. Even the ones that she bore that didn't really show her love and respect. A lot of you guys would say, it certainly is my wife. It certainly is your wife. You better be saying that because you're going to hear it at the end of this message. And she probably is. If she attends church with you and, and does the things that, that God loves and God requires, she's a virtuous woman. Ruth is such a woman. She wanted to stay with her mother-in-law no matter what. To say, listen, your people will be my people. She became, She's saying right now, I'm going to become a Jew. I guess they would call that a proselyte back then. She said, your God will be my God. Your God will be my God. Somebody that loves you so much, your God is my God. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you die, I'm going to be buried. God forbid if anything but death separates us. What a love. A virtuous woman. Who can find? For her price is far above rubies or jewels. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. Remember we just read it in Proverbs 12, 4, a virtuous woman is the crown of her husband, and, who, and she who causes him shame is rottenness to his bones. A virtuous woman is the crown of her husband. She's the glory of her husband. You know the saying, you know, my better, this is my better half. You talk about your wife, you're crowning her with glory. But it says also that there are some women that, that she causes shame to her husband. And she's rottenness to his bones. And I'm thinking, rottenness to his bones. Why rottenness to his bones? Why just not rotten? Because woman was taken from the bone of man, a man. And she, when she treats her husband in such a way, she is rottenness to his bones that were taken from his rib. It's amazing the depth of a little thing like that as far as I'm concerned. Ephesians 5, 33 tells us each individual is to love his own wife as he loves himself. And his wife must see to it that she respects her husband. The woman that's rottenness to his bones is not respectful of her husband. She's rotten to his bones. And unfortunately, the liberated women, some of them today, are in trouble, big trouble. The husband here in this verse is saying that he trusts in her. She is a woman, a virtuous woman is a woman that honors the covenant of marriage that God has designed. To be faithful to the end. You heard it in many messages. I married many people. For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. Till death do us part. Fearing, you know, holding and keeping only to you and to no one else. That's a virtuous woman. Today I've read articles where saying they like 40-50% of women cheat on their husbands. The men's rate is higher, sorry to say. Virtue is an important factor in, in anybody's life. These women trust and believe, have a firm belief in the reliability of, of the scriptures. A virtuous woman has a, is, can be, is integrable. She has moral standards. Not so much in the liberated woman today. They bring their husband evil. Some of them hinder him instead of helping him. She was created to be a helpmate for her husband. Some undermine him instead of understanding him. Some spurn his intentions instead of satisfying his needs. Some disrespect and belittle him instead of bringing him honor 
Some antagonize him and allow and will not allow him to lead the family spiritually. They stand firm against his leadership in the family, yet God designed a man as a leader in the family, just like he designed that Jesus would be under his authority and the Holy Spirit under Jesus' authority. There's a hierarchy. There's a uh, set up within the, within the Godhead, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And in the family, it's the Father, the Mother, the children. Some of these liberated women, they notice their husband's failures instead of noting his accomplishments. And that's a woman that's rottenness to his bones. Some just dump their husbands and say, hey, I don't want you anymore. Be gone. I don't need you. Instead of saying, I married a good man. These liberated women have a lot to learn from Scripture. And I believe God would turn them around if they would do so. If they would, if they would listen to Scripture. Proverbs 31, 13, and 14, he seeketh wool, she seeketh wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She is like a merchant, like the merchant ships. She brings food from afar. Listen, this woman is industrious. She's others oriented. She's a servant. She's generous. She's hospitable. Like Rebecca. Remember Rebecca in Genesis chapter 24? She said to Eliezer, who was looking for the bride for Isaac because his mother Sarah had died, he said to God in a prayer, he said, Lord, when a woman comes to me and, and said, I say, give her, give her me a drink, and she gives me a drink, and she says, I'll water your camels also. That, let that be the woman. Before he was done praying, there was Rebecca standing right there before him. He says to her, young lady, really, give her a drink. And she says, I'll give you a drink, and I'll water your camels also. And the servant, Eliezer, who was, the, the Eliezer means helper, by the way, he says, um, she said that, I'll get, I'll water your camels also. And he's praying to God. He says, is she the one? Is she the one? You know, he's praying. The answer's right there. And he's like doubting already a little bit. Listen, it's not, I want to, you say, well, why do you say industrious woman? Let me tell you. We know from, from Genesis 31, 15, that Eliezer brought 10 camels, 10 camels with him. A camel can hold 25 gallons of water each. And they traveled a far way, about four or 500 miles. These camels were thirsty. Their humps sag when they're, when they're dehydrating. She said, I'll water your camels also, 25 gallons apiece. Say, say they only had 20 gallons. She put 20 gallons apiece at 8.33 pounds per gallon. She just hauled a ton of water. Industrious. A servant, others-oriented, generous to Eliezer, and very hospitable and kind. She's a hard worker, Rebecca. So is a virtuous woman. She pursues work. She always looking for something to do. She's like the merchant ship. She brings food from afar for her family. In other words, she brings the delicacy. She's treating her, her family with respect. You know, like, like you would bring a dozen roses home to your wife. She's bringing all this in for her family so that they can have a, a cupcake from Italy, Italy or something like that. Just an example. She's bringing the delicacies of life to her family and I'm sure she's teaching them as she goes along, giving them way more than they ever expected. Like she did with, like Rebecca did with Eliezer. He just wanted a drink. She says, I'll, feed, I'll water your camels also. 
Wish it was like that today, don't you? Hopefully it's like that in the churches. Proverbs 31, 15, she rises also while it is night, and she gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Proverbs 31, 27, the same chapter we're in, she told, tooketh well the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. In other words, she's not lazy. Rebecca certainly wasn't lazy. She's not a lazy woman. She's a woman seeking after opportunities to be productive in her home, in her job, with her church, with her family. She's a very industrious. And not only that, she's generous. She gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She's extending her hands to the poor, like Proverbs 31.20 says. And she stretches out her hands to the needy. That's a virtuous woman. She cares about other people. I think of Philippians 2.4. Do not look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. And that's, she's already operating this. This is 1,400 years before that verse was ever written. 1,400 years, and Rebecca's already, already operating in that. The virtuous woman is already operating and fulfilling that promise that was going to be given 2,000 years or 1,400 years later. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She works towards a goal. She has a goal set. You know what? A lot of people shoot for the, shoot for the uh, you know, say, to move to uh, Florida from up in the cold areas, but some people are shooting for Mars. And it's okay to shoot for Mars and end up on the moon. You got further than South Florida. She has vision. The industrious woman, the excellent woman of moral character has vision. She's working towards a goal. She extends her hand and plants a vineyard. She knows that vineyard is going to produce fruit. She's going to be able to sell the fruit and, and feed her family with the fruit and make money to, to prosper the family. She's a hard worker. She has a woman with a goal. She's shooting for Mars, and she hit, the, she hit Mars because she shot for it. But don't be disappointed if you end up on the moon because you got pretty far. She trusts in the Lord for increase. She's an entrepreneur. She's an entrepreneur and a, a, a virtuous woman. Verse, verse chapter 31, verse 17, she girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. Another version says she sets about her work vigorously. In other words, again, she's not lazy. She's active in body, soul, and spirit. She's fearless. She's courageous. She girds her, her, her loins with strength. I think of a woman in the scripture. The first woman I thought of was Queen Hester. Queen Esther. Queen Esther. Here's, here's what she said. She, she had to go before the king, who was her husband. But to go before the king was an invite for him to take your life. If you weren't asked for, then he had the authority to kill you. She was putting her life on the line to go to her husband, the king, in order to save her family. And the Jewish nation. And by the way, if Haman could have wiped out the Jewish nation, where would the bloodline to Christ come? That's why that famous verse that she says in the Bible, maybe you were here for such a time as this, to save an entire nation. She put her life on the line. But immediately she would have been annihilated because her husband didn't even know she was a Jew. He had no idea. So when she, here's what she said. This is Proverbs, uh, Esther 7, 3 and 4. Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, talking to her husband, she says, If I have favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I 
and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. She put her life on the line. This woman is girded with strength. She has no fear of death whatsoever. She's saving not only her own, hopefully save her own life, but her uncle's life who raised her and the entire Jewish nation, which someday would bring in the Messiah of Israel. She's strong, Queen Esther. She's brave, just like Rebecca and just like, like um, uh, Re- Rebecca and who was the first one? Yeah, Ruth, just like Ruth. She puts others' lives and values them before her own. She never forgets. She was queen. She never forget, forgot those under her when she was made king, queen. Some people, when they become king and queen, they want to r- r- dominate and rule over people. No, she was just like Jesus, a servant leader. She was put there for such a time as that to save the entire nation, to really save the entire world through the messianic bloodline that runs through the entire scriptures. She was forced to put her life in danger because she loved her people and she loved her nation and she loved her uncle and she loved herself. Plus she knew Haman's plan was absolutely evil. Proverbs 31:18 She perceiveth that that her merchandise is good, her candle goeth not out by night. She does not have a 9 to 5 job, kids. You know how many women divorce their husbands cuz they work too much? It wasn't like that in these days. Huh? In America it's 9 to 5, you better be home at 5:30. Dinner's ready. No. This woman already is, 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 is following after her husband. They used to work from daybreak till day of sundown. In the fields, growing crops or whatever they did. She's working hard. Her candle doesn't go out by night. She doesn't have a 9 to 5 schedule. She's always working. She's always thinking. She's always praising. But most likely always worshiping God always caring and loving for her family and for others in need that are less fortunate than her. Verse 19, she layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold to the staff. You know, when I read that verse, you know who I thought of? In the New Testament, Acts chapter 9, Dorcas. Tabitha is her Hebrew name. Dorcas is her Greek name. Acts 9, Here's what Acts 9, verse 39 says. All the widows, she had, well, first of all, Jesus is in Joppa, not far away from where they're at. She dies. She was a woman that was very industrious, and she would make clothing with purple and and make all kind of things and very generous. Here's Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Dorcas was abounding with good deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened that she fell asleep and died. All the widows, when Peter arrived, all the widows stood around him, Peter, and showing Peter the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. They were proud. This a virtuous woman like Dorcas is a woman you're proud of. You're proud to say she's my wife, and the wife is proud to say he's my husband. Because we're going to get into that verse. My husband, her husband, is known at the gates. She's known for her hard work, and the widows they loved her. There was a love scene going on here amongst the women. In this town, they sent to Joppa, and Peter comes. He puts everybody out of the room, and he says to her, Tabitha, arise, and she opens up her eyes. Wow. Wow. You know why those people, those women were praying? A virtuous woman is well-loved. She was loved. 
she was loved so much that they sent somebody to Joppa to get Peter because he was close. And here he comes in. They were hoping and praying that she would be raised from the dead. How about when we're gone? Will people show the great things that you have done? Or will they tell them of of your memorial? I hope so. Proverbs 31.20, her strength out of her hand, she strengthens out her hand to the poor, and she reaches forth her hands to the needy. Look at this. You know who I think of here? I think of a woman named Abigail. Remember Abigail? She's kind. This woman is kind. She's a giver. She reaches out her hands to the needy, the less fortunate. She cares about those around her. She has a heart, a big heart, and an open hand to bless. She's aware of the needs of others. And she's quick to respond. Why, you say? Well, if you went to 1 Samuel chapter 25, you'll see that King David had about, I think it was about 600 men, and he would guard the lands for people so nobody would come in and steal off of them. And he happened to guard Nabal's land, and Nabal's wife was Abigail. And he told, he was, he sent, David sent messengers to Nabal to say, can you spare some food for the troops and of course Nabal was was drunk and he was feeling merry and he said who's King David who's David he didn't even say king who's David what do I have to do with them who cares if he's hungry so some of some of David's people went to his wife Abigail and said hey Abigail David's about ready to kill your husband and what did she do She took the initiative. She took action to protect her husband because she knew David was about to kill him for not not rewarding him for what uh, what he did for them, guarding their land and protecting him. So she gathered up a whole bunch of food and wine and grapes and I'm sure everything she had, and she brought it to to David and asked him to stay his, his vengeance on the ball her husband. She took action. She wasn't greedy. Her husband was greedy and he was selfish. You know, in Scripture, there's three three groups of trinities. There's the, the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There's the, the unholy trinity, you know, the devil, the Antichrist, and the and the, the false prophet. But there's also another trinity. It's called the greedy trinity. It's called me, myself, and I. And the ball was a me, myself, and I person. He was greedy, but he was married to a virtuous woman. That was the biggest crown that he could ever have in life. You also know that that very night, or the next day, Abigail tells Nabal what he did, and he was very grievous. He was sorry. He was so drunk and didn't realize it. Another time when drunkenness is always followed by something bad. He lost his very life because he was so drunk out of his mind, he didn't know what he was doing. Abigail told him. And he repented of it, I believe. I hope so. But he was he had a massive heart attack and just fell over dead. And months later, guess who David took for a wife? A virtuous woman named Abigail. Wouldn't you like to be married to an Abigail type woman? Proverbs thirty one twenty one She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes herself coverings of tapestry and clothing. Her clothing is silk and purple. Listen, purple is a royalty color. Silk is royal garb, garb, garments, silk. You know, when I was in a sign business years ago, I was a a professional hand 
lettering sign painter. And when I had to go buy purple paint, it was always double the price of just about anything else because purple is attached to royalty. This woman treats her, her family with respect. She makes her family, her family look sharp. They're dressed sharp. She takes care of them, but she's made this, them, these clothing herself, just like Dorcas did. She treats her family like kings and priests and princes and princesses. No nine-to-five job for Abigail either, any woman like this. She makes tapestries in her spare time. After 5 p.m., I am sure, after she feeds her family. Verse 23, her family is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. This woman knows exactly who she is. She's the wife of a, a prominent man in the city who she loves with all her heart. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She knows exactly who she is because she knows who her husband is. Ladies, I hope you can respect your husband. When I marry people, I always say this, love and respect are like the father and the son. Respect is a right hand of love as Jesus is the right hand of God the Father. Respect is so important, ladies. You need to respect your husband, whether he deserves it or not. I know you don't like that statement, but you can teach him with a kind word, says the Scriptures. She's proud to be his wife. She's not ashamed. She loves her husband with her whole heart. This woman, the godly, virtuous yeah, a woman, a woman of excellence, she's beautiful not only outside but within. And you know that. We'll be getting into that as we move on a little bit. Verse 24 she makes fine linen and sells it and delivers girdles unto the, unto the merchants. She's a seamstress. She's a chef. She's a homemaker. She's a real estate investor. She's a mother. She's a wife. She's an aunt. She's an uncle. You know, a lot of women, especially back in my days, not even today, I guess you could say, a lot of women are afraid to say, I'm a, I'm a housewife. But yet, yeah, you know, but your husband makes $80,000 a year. But if you got paid for everything you did, you'd be making about five, $500,000 a year. Because you're, you're a, a real estate investor. You're a mother. You're a chef. You're a homemaker. You're, a, you're clean the house. You're a seamstress and making clothes. You got paid for everything. Your husband's the one that should stay home. So don't be disappointed that you're a housewife taking care of children. The most, the most, uh, the best you think a woman can do really is raise her children. In the Lord, that is. In the Lord. She knows her responsibilities and she does them willingly. She's a woman of great virtue. She's exactly, she knows exactly her responsibilities, but she knows exactly what and who God called her to be. Like Queen Esther, she knows that she was born for such a time as this, such a time as this to take care of Joe Smith over here, her husband, who she loves. Verse 30, chapter 31 of Proverbs, verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in times to come. Strength. I'm thinking, I had to think pretty hard on this one because we covered some women over here. I come up with Hannah. Remember Hannah? The mother of Samuel, the prophet and judge. She was girded with strength and honor in her clothing, and she rejoiced at the time to come. She was barren. And couldn't have a child. And her husband Elkanah had another wife. And she bore him children. 
but Elkanah couldn't couldn't bear. So this woman was weak in bearing, but strong in spirit. She went to the temple. She prayed. She prayed suffering anguish with words too deep to be, be heard. She was groaning in the spirit. And Eliah, Eliah, the prophet, and the priest, Eli, I'm sorry, Eli, the priest, he thought she was drunk because she was speaking, forbid the language, tongues. In the synagogue, she was praying so deeply with groanings, he thought for sure she was, she was crying, but he thought for sure she was drunk. But she cried out to God for a son, that she would bear her husband a son. This woman had strength. She had trust in the Lord. She was a virtuous woman. She went exactly what I tell you to do. Your first, your first area to go to is to the Lord. When you think you're sick, you go to the Lord. Then you go to the doctor. You put the Lord. He's your first line of defense. And that's what she was doing here. God was her first line of defense. Everybody thought she was weak because she couldn't bear children, but she was strong in faith. She had strength to believe and honor and trust God. So she ran to God, just like you and I have done many times. You go down to the church steps when you were a child and pray. Even today, people go to the churches and pray. She fulfills that verse that Joel said in 3.10. Let the weak say, I am strong. And that's what this woman was saying. I'm weak, but I'm going to be strong because I'm going to trust the Lord. She was strength. She, in her strength, she was persistent. And it was soon to bring her rejoicing, just like verse 25 says. She promised God that if she would have a son, she would give him to his service. And she did exactly that. She was, actually, Eli said, Eli prophesied over her and said in 1 Samuel 1.17, Go in peace. The God of Israel doth give thy petition that thou hast asked him. And she, her husband knew her, and she bore a son, and she named him Samuel. And when he was weaned, probably around five years old, she gave him to the Lord. And thus you know Samuel was understudy to Eli the prophet, a priest, and he raised him, and you know the story from there. We don't have time to get into. But she got her prayer answered, and she bore a son because she believed what this verse says. She had strength. She had honor to trust God. She would... And she rejoiced in the time to come because there was the son she prayed for. I had, there was a couple that came here years and years ago. They tried for eight years to have children and couldn't have children. So I talked to them. They told me they were on the verge of divorce. I told them, they came to me because they wanted me to pray. So I hauled them up here to the altar, and we prayed. I think I anointed them, I'm not sure, with oil. About three months later, she's pregnant. They trusted in the Lord. They trusted in the Lord. So for you women out there that are barren and want a child, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. He wants you to have a child, you'll have a child. If you cry out to him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Your desire of your heart should first be to serve him. This woman was steadfast in faith, or he, she wouldn't have been at the, at the temple. She believed the word of the Lord especially the word that a prophesied, prophecy that Eli gave her. 
God gave her peace, and she moved on believing that the prophecy would come true, and it did. God, thank God for Samuel. He's the, he's the one that anointed kings. And he was also a judge of Israel in the times that they needed a judge. Verse 26 of Proverbs 31, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. This virtuous woman has kind words on her tongue. And when she opens her mouth, just goodness and grace comes out. She speaks words of affirmation, a virtuous woman. She's blessings to, She's a blessing to everybody. They like to be around her because she blesses them and encourages them and exhorts them. People are attracted to her like a magnet. And she's willing to give them emotional spiritual support. Verse 27, She looketh well at the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Again, a virtuous woman. God has said this about three or four times, I think, so far. She's not idle. She doesn't stand around and do nothing. God's saying that, that, you know, she knows and she shows that God cares by, by her caring. She shows that God is there by her knowing God is there. She shows that God rules like, by, because that, to your life too. She knows that God will provide not just food, clothing, and shelter, but wisdom and understanding, wealth and health and strength and courage when you need it, like, like Queen Esther. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. In other words, he's saying, you're a wonderful wife and you're a wonderful mother. Even if the children don't think so, because you taught them godly godly ways of life and they grow up and take off in another direction you're still a wonderful wife they had free choice the husband he is so proud of her he's proud to be with her he always says this is my better half and because she loves her husband and he prays her she blesses him she makes him look good. She's the crown of her husband, a godly, virtuous woman of excellence. She has a tremendous impact on her husband. You know the saying, behind every successful man is a good, godly woman. I might add that word godly there. But behind every husband, there is a godly man. We try every man, there is a godly husband that backs him up in prayer support and love and assurance. She loves her husband. Verse 30 and 31, our last two verses. Charm is deceitful. Another version says favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But the woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Beauty is vain. You know why? Because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the inward appearance. Let me read you a poem here. These are actually lyrics to a, they're not lyrics, but the words of, of uh, someone. A lot of people think that they made a mistake because they're not beautiful. God made a mistake. It says God doesn't make mistakes. God sees us perfect, as perfect, as and he sees us very, very different than the world sees us. The world sees faces that are beautiful and ugly, 
They see bodies that are weak and strong. They see people that are successful and failures. But God sees the heart. He sees the love in your soul. He sees the beauty in your spirit. He sees the thing that matters the most and the thing that lasts. He sees the person that you are, not the body you're in. God has so much for you to do in this world. And so much you can teach others, whether they're beautiful or, or not beautiful, or if you're strong or if you're weak. He has much for you to teach others. God wants you to come and live with him in your life just the way you are. As Billy Graham says, come just as you are. You come to the Lord. Beauty is vain. Charm is deceitful. The devil comes like an angel of light. He can come with charming words. But you've got to be careful. God isn't looking on the outward appearance. If you remember when Samuel was told by God to go anoint a king because Saul was was thrown off the kingship by God. Samuel went to Jesse's house, to all these men. That's where God sent him, and he interviewed all the men, and God didn't speak to him. Where? You didn't tell me which one was king. Surely one of these is king, Lord, he says. No, there's someone else. So he asked his Jesse, he says, is, you sure you don't have another son? Oh, yeah, I got this little son out watching a little sheep out there. Just a little scrawny guy. Send for him. He comes in. Samuel sees the Holy Spirit upon him and anoints David, the ruddy weakling of the family, instead of the tall big guys, because he's looked at the heart. And that's what Samuel was sent to do. Don't look on the outward appearance. Look at the heart. There's a woman in the Scripture, and we studied her on Thursday nights the last two weeks. Her name was, was Rachel. No, I'm sorry, not, not uh, Rachel. Um, yeah. Uh, let, me, let me pass that up. We're running out of time anyhow. Listen, virtue, love, respect, kindness, moral integrity is what, we, what a virtuous woman has. If you're a vir- are you a virtuous woman is what I want to know. Are you a virtuous man? Believe me, men, this applies to you too. You have to have virtue. Virtue is important. That means moral excellence, guys. No pornography. No drunkenness. That means godly words come out of your mouth. That means ki- your kindness. You're kind. You have godly kindness. You think godly. You have godly actions. You're never critical of others. You too, men, women, you buy, you sell, you seek. And your spouse rises up and calls you blessed. You know, back in the, back in the days of Jesus and Luke chapter 7, let me go there. There was this Pharisee that asked Jesus to come to dinner. I'm going to read that passage for you. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vow of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet and, and with her tears and kept wiping them with her hair. That means she went from standing to bowing and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of person this woman is and who is touching him, that he, she is a sinner. And Jesus answered Simon, I have something to say to you, Simon. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A many lender had, had two debtors, the one he owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were able to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them do you think will love the most? 
Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave the more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning towards the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she since has not ceased to kiss my feet. But when I came in, you gave me no anointing for my head. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to one another, who is this man who even forgives sin? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, the crowds were in the streets that day when Jesus came to town. The synagogue was there, and there were no more for miles around. So I asked him home for dinner to see what I could see of this famous local prophet from here in Galilee. I don't know how that woman got into the room but you couldn't miss her godly, gaudy clothes and her strong and sweet perfume. She went straight to Jesus' feet and stopped and stood right there. She cried and wet his feet with tears and dried them with her hair. Now of all the people in my town, no, no one was more well known for the flagrant rife she lived and the wickedness she sown. But this didn't seem to move her. Seemed his prophet couldn't tell that the woman he was, who was touching her was the kind they buy and sell. I had no idea what Jesus planned to do when he said, Simon, there's something I have to say to you. I said to him, teacher, say it if you will. And as he began to speak to me, the room grew strangely still. He said, take a good look at this woman now. In spite of all her fears she's kissed me and she's anointed me and she wiped my feet with tears with her hair she honored me Simon but you've been only rude to me instead you gave no kiss of greeting you know didn't even give me anointing for my head yes her sins are red as scarlet but now they're washed away the love and faith she's shown to me is all the price she had to pay. For the depth of God's forgiveness is deeper than you can see. And in spite of what you think of her, Simon, she's beautiful to me. Now my anger turned to hatred and I wanted nothing more than to take this prophet by the throat and just throw him out the door. But instead I sat there and trembled. I was shook to the core. The woman still was weeping as she knelt there on the floor. And Jesus turned and said to her, Your chains have been released. Your faith has saved you from your sins. Rise and walk in peace. See you, believer, your sins were red as scarlet, but now they're washed away. Because of the love and faith You've shown to Jesus was only the, the only price you had to pay. For the depth of God's forgiveness is deeper than any sea. No matter what the world may think of you, you're beautiful to me, says Jesus. So listen, you want to be a virtuous woman, a virtuous man? It starts with Jesus. This woman had more virtue, even though she was a prostitute, then Simon the Pharisee. God didn't look at your credentials. He looks at your heart. And for all of you that said that sinner's prayer years ago, but used this, you, the credentials in your head because you have a bachelor's degree or a doctorate degree, and you said it with your head, it means absolutely nothing to God. What, means to, what God 
wants to hear is what your heart's saying because he's not looking at your credentials. He's not looking at if you're beautiful or ugly. He's not looking if you're rich or poor. He's looking at your heart. And if your heart fell in love with Jesus and appreciated what Jesus has done on the cross for you by forgiving your sins and cleansing you from all unrighteousness, then he's happy and you have just become a virtuous man or woman, a woman of excellence because you did not reject the precious blood of Jesus Christ that flowed down from that cross onto the ground to the very earth mourned. And we, the people of God, the ones who say we know God, we better be mourning because Jesus shed his blood for us and we better appreciate it. And God sees the appreciation in your heart and the love you show showed towards his son. And your sins, though they be red as scarlet, they'll all be washed away. Isn't that good news? Good news. So for any of you out there over the internet, just pray with all your heart. Tell God you're a sinner. You fall short of his glory. But you fell in love with Jesus today. And you ask him to come into your heart and make you the woman or the man that you want. He wants you to be a virtuous man or woman, loving God with all your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. And happy Mother's Day.